We're looking at budgeting for the church, but did you know this, that um, <clears throat> the budget of the church is very much dependent upon your budget. <laughs> now, here's, here's the way it works. Uh, if we don't budget our money, we <clears throat> don't know how much we've got coming in, and we don't know how much you, we, could, we should give, and we end up having a problem with it. Dave Ramsey says this, that your money will always go. Have you noticed that? That it always gets spent. It's, a, it's got this marvelous way of getting spent. And oftentimes you'll end up at the end of the week or the end of the month and you're wondering, where did it go? And he said, that's your problem. Your money went wherever it wanted to go. <clears throat> you needed to tell it where to go. And a budget is how you tell it where to go. And <clears throat> when it comes to money, uh, the Bible has a lot to say about money and about how we handle money. Now, some of you here tonight would say, you know what, money's not a problem for me. But that would be the few, wouldn't it? For most, uh, money ends up being a problem. It ends up being a difficulty. It ends up being something that uh, is a burden and there's uh, never enough and uh, you don't know how to work it out and <clears throat> you feel like you can never get ahead of it. You can never get it organized. And it doesn't have to be like that. And by the way, sometimes we think this. Sometimes we think, you know what? Well, that's just the way I am. I haven't got that gift. Do you know you can change? We can change. We can actually make things different. One of the things that we have to get in our minds that we're going to change as far as our handling of money is concerned, we have to come to the place where we believe we really can change. Where we believe we can turn it around, we can actually make it different in our lives. Let's start in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. And I should probably come down there, but I don't know where to come to. <laughs> it's the problem. <laughs> You're all... Uh, you're all around the place. Let me do this. Let me get you first three rows, right? If you would move back to the end, or you move over on this side, right? Uh, you first three rows. The rest of you stay where you are. Well, that means you've got to move back as well. And Esther, you've got to move back as well. Uh, oh, there's one there. <laughs> okay, this is, this is much better. Matthew chapter 6, verse 23. Now I kind of have, yeah, that, that's much better. Isn't that much better? <laughs> You're not convinced. Matthew chapter 6, verse 23. That's a word of prayer first. Father, would you bless us as we look to your word tonight, Lord? Uh, help us, Lord, to understand your heart for us and uh, us being free uh, and being blessed in the area of finances, Lord, and not struggling with it. And, oh, Lord, would you do work in our hearts and lives, Lord? Your word should always impact us. Uh, may it have its uh, way in our lives tonight. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So Matthew 6, verse 23. <clears throat> um, Verse 24, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? When it says take no thought, what does it mean? What's it saying to you there? Take no thought. Ben? Don't worry. You're not to worry about these things. Now, we, we, we have to be honest. Everybody in this room has worried about money. 
At some point, one point or another, it's become a burden, it's become a problem, it's become an issue, uh, and we've, we've worried about it. But God tells us very specifically not to worry about it. This is not an issue that you're supposed to uh, <clears throat> let it get to the place where it's the concern that, that, that causes you uh, to worry, right? <clears throat> and then he says, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? <clears throat> What's the real problem when we worry about money and when we worry about the things of this world? What's our real problem? Lack of faith. That's what you're going to say, Rain, isn't it? Well, lack of trust in God, lack of faith. Yeah, lack, lack of trust. We're not trusting God. Right? Remember the disciples in the boat. The disciples in the boat, Jesus is asleep in the boat, and the disciples are in the boat, and they get terrified because the boat's going down, and, and, and they're fishermen. They know what's going down. The, the, the Bible says the boat was now full. And um, they wake Jesus out of his sleep, and they, 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 they accuse him. Carest thou not that we perish? And he says, O ye of little faith. <clears throat> they, they wouldn't trust him. His, their problem was that they wouldn't trust him. When we worry about money and worry about finances, the problem is that we don't trust him. We don't trust him, I believe, from two angles, right? First of all, we don't trust him to take care of us. Secondly, we don't trust him to take care of us the way we want to be taken care of. And that's probably the real problem for us. Because he always takes care of us, isn't he? How do you know he always takes care of you? You're still here. <laughs> he's, he's taken care of you this, thus far. He always takes care of us. Um, but we don't trust him to take care of us in the way that we want him to take care of us. You know, Willie <clears throat> um, Finnegan uh, is not with us and he's in prison. And <clears throat> that's a tough thing for him. It's a tough thing for Willie to actually face that because he was praying that God would, would release him and that he would actually be uh, in the men's home tonight. But you know what? <clears throat> He's ended up in a place, not where he wants to be, but where God has placed him right now. And what God wants him to do is God wants him to trust him to take care of him in it. Now, we're good at trusting God to do what we want him to do. We're not good at trusting God to do what God does. Sometimes God hits us with a curveball, the one that we don't like, and <clears throat> we worry when we think there's a curveball coming. We worry when we th think that there's something coming that's not what I want it to be. And, you know, if Willie can come to the place where he can trust in God in prison, he can find it, like Joseph. God can be in the prison with you. Prison doesn't have to be uh, <clears throat> the end of the world. God can be with you. And we need to pray for him, by the way, in that. We need to pray that his faith fails not, that he actually uh, comes to the place where he's trusting in God, that God gives him the right people to be around uh, and that he recognizes them and that, you know, <clears throat> that, that this doesn't have to be a disaster in his life. You see, we have a hard time trusting God because we have a hard time believing that God really knows best. We know best what we want. We know best what should happen in the situation. And we have a hard time trusting that God knows best. That's when we worry. God is able to take care of us, all right? <clears throat> okay, uh, verse 27. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto a stature? Can, uh, well, you can't, can you? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today 
is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Now, let me ask you a question. Are, are, are you of more value to God than the flowers in, the, in your garden? Than the wildflowers in the field? Are you sure? That's pretty basic, isn't it? Of course we are. We're of more value than the sparrows. We're of more value than the flowers. Now, if God takes care of the grass in the field, will he not take care of you? Is that not cast iron, absolutely solid, no way around it? God will definitely take care of me. Can you not build your life on that truth? That God will definitely take care of me. I will not need, because God will definitely take care of me. I may not get what I want. In fact, I don't, and neither do you all the time. But God always takes care of me. I'm in very good hands. I'm in very safe hands. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're not careful about this thing, O king. (coughs) Our God is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and if not, he will deliver us from you. He's going to take care of us. We're going to be fine. No matter what you do, we're going to be fine. I, you know what? That's, that's real faith. That's faith that, that trusts God to do what's best. And <clears throat> that's faith that's never disappointed. Because God always takes care of us. Right? Um, <clears throat> verse 31. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. He says, Don't worry about those things. Those are the things the world worries about. Those are the things the world lives for. Those are the things the world sets its store by. They measure their lives and how much they have. And if they haven't got much, they're nothing. They spend their lives going after these things. They spend their lives seeking value in those things. God says that's what the world looks after. Don't you worry about those things, though. Now see what else he's going to say. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know what God is saying? God is saying, I have something better for you to be concerned with than money. It is not the will of God that anybody in this room spend their lives consumed with money. It's not his will. Now, it may be uh, that you're caught in a bind and you say, well, you know what? It's pretty consuming in my life. That's not the will of God for your life. God has better things for you to be consumed with. And if we spend our lives consumed with money, either in the making of money or the making ends meet, whichever, it doesn't matter, it's still the same thing. If we spend our lives consumed with money, what happens is we're going to stand in glory and look into his eyes one day and think, oh no, I've wasted a lot of time focused on what was really not, a, not an issue, not a problem. I need to be content with such things as I have, that God is going to take care of me and I'll be fine. Uh, there, <clears throat> take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Right? Principle number one in your, <clears throat> that, that, that should strike us from the word of God is, God does not want me to spend my life worrying and concerned about money. It's not that big a deal. It's just not that big a deal. And if it's that big a deal, I've got something wrong in my thinking. 
I've got something <clears throat> a bit upside down and askew in my thinking. I need to actually come back to the place where I'm saying, you know what, God, you can take care of me, and he will. All right, I'm going to give you some verses to look up. Matthew 13, verse 7 and 22. Matthew will give you those to, <clears throat> to, to read for us, right? Matthew 13, verse 7 and 22. Um, First Timothy, we'll go there. Actually, we'll look at the passage in First Timothy, all of us. So, Matthew, you, you read Matthew 13, 7 and 22 for us. In verse 22. Okay, so this is the parable of the sower that we're looking at here, right? <clears throat> and in the parable of the sower, there's the four types of soil, but I think the thir- third type of soil, if I'm right, uh, is the person who hears the word, or, or is the second one, it's the second one, isn't it? Uh, he hears the word, and <clears throat> uh, he's all excited about it. It's wonderful, amazing, the, <clears throat> the word. But what happens is uh, the thorns and uh, the, the, the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of the world, steal it away so that he gets focused on all those things and it's as though he never heard. He gets caught up in those things. We can get caught up in those things. We have to live with them. It's very easy for us to get caught up in those things. It's very easy for us to come to the place in our lives where we're actually uh, tormented by the things of the world, tormented by money, and it steals away the joy of the Lord in your life. And you know what? Everybody in the room knows it. It can steal it away. God does not want that for you. Uh, Look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. Let's all go there, because I want you to see some of these verses. First Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8. Are we there? Okay, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Right? Now, uh, he's talking here about caring for your own, caring for your family. That's your responsibility to do. Now, here's a problem for us. Okay, so, so Pastor, you're telling me not to worry about money. You're telling me it's fine. You're telling me it can steal the joy of the Lord from me. And then, hang on a minute, Paul's telling me here, he's saying, listen, I'm supposed to provide for my own. That's my problem. I'm not sure I can provide for my own. I'm not sure I can provide all that they need. I'm not sure that I can put it on the table and make it happen. I'm concerned about it. Right? Now, what are we going to say to that? Because that's a problem, isn't it? And to be honest with you, for, for many of us, that is the problem. How am I going to provide for my own? How am I going to actually put on the table what they need? Help me. How are you going to do it? How are you going to, how are you break, going to break the contention here between not worrying and yet at the same time shouldering your responsibility of providing for your own? Pardon? Ask for help. Ask God for help. Yeah. 
Okay? Whose responsibility is it to provide for your own? Here, it's yours, isn't it? Whose responsibility is it to provide for you? We just read in two passages. Who's going who's to provide for me? God, isn't he? Okay, so who's going to provide for my own? I'm going to talk to myself if you don't, if you don't talk to me. <laughs> and that's bad. If I start talking to myself, that's bad, all right? Who's going to provide? God's going to provide through you for your own. So what's your part in this thing? Trust God, follow God, and do what he would have you do. Okay, so that means you're going to get a job. Right? Because that's God's way. You're going to get a job. You're going to do what you can. You're going to work uh, as best you can because it's your responsibility to provide for your own. But you're not going to shoulder it all on your own shoulders. You're going to say, no, Lord, I can't do this if you don't let me, if you don't help me. Because, you know, you can't even make yourself well. In fact, you can't do anything. All you can do is what God would have you do. Now, let's say you go out and do your best and your family are not happy with what you're bringing in. What do you do about that? <laughs> Thanks, Leighton. <laughs> okay, well, you do, you do your best to meet your family's genuine needs, but you know what sometimes you need to do? You need to actually teach that, you know, hey, you know what? Are those really needs... Does God always provide for you enough to meet the genuine, legitimate needs? You don't look sure of that, folks. (laughs) Isn't this the cusp of life where we actually live very often? Yeah, we know God says he does, but the reality is, I'm not sure, and they're not happy, and does God always provide what is needed? Always. Always. Now, he does not provide all that a secular world tells us we need. But he always provides what we need. Always. You know, money's the strangest thing in the world. Um, I've had nothing. I've never had a lot, a lot. But I've I've had nothing and I've had decent income. And you know what? My family have lived just as well when we had nothing as we do when we have a decent income. That's kind of incredible, isn't it? Now, you can probably tell stories like that too. Yeah. That, you know, when you have a lot, it seems to go, and when you have a little, it seems to work. You know, that it's amazing. Money's money's not a straight-line thing. Money's not a kind of thing, you know, we think it's just crunching numbers, but it's not. Money is something that God works in, and God is able to take care of you. But what happens for us is two things. First of all, <clears throat> we have fear as far as money is concerned. And secondly, we're covetous. We want more. We see other people have more, so we want more. We have to have more. We used to have more, so we want more now. And that's not the way it's supposed to work. God's going to take care of me, and if I will let God take care of me, I'll be fine. I'm sure the last thing that Willie Finnegan wanted to hear was that he was going into prison on Monday. And, you know, <clears throat> Willie could go into prison and he could hate being in prison and he could fight against it for the whole time he's in there. 
Or would he could go into prison and say, you know what, God will take care of me in here too. And Willie could actually, like Joseph, be fine in prison with God taking care of him. Is it his choice? No. But you know what? The difference is between him actually fighting against it and accepting it. That's what makes the difference. The difference in your, oftentimes in your finances is you fighting against God and you're saying, no, God will look after me through this and in this. I'll be okay. And we've got, to, we've got to get our heads around that. God is well able to take care of us. All right, so <clears throat> I'm supposed to provide for my own, um, <clears throat> but God is going to provide for me, and he's going to provide what's right and what's enough. Now, <clears throat> we'll talk about this more as we go on. You know what I'm likely to do, though? I'm likely to get myself in a whole pile of trouble when I'm not happy with what God is providing. Because our culture has made all kinds of ways for me to get myself in trouble uh, when I'm not happy with what I have, isn't it? I can borrow money on plastic. It's lovely. You just take the plastic. Don't you love that now? You, you, you don't even have to put the number in anymore. You just can tap. <laughs> and the money goes, you know, <clears throat> seamlessly uh, into, and you get, you get what you want. Um, <clears throat> but you know what? You've got to remember, payday someday. Even if it's a debit card, it's coming out of your account. Uh, and, and, and if it's a credit card, the bill's not coming until next month, but it's coming. You know, <clears throat> but so that there are lots of ways I can now, I can, I can make things happen now that I want to happen right now when God hasn't provided for them. And I need to be really careful in that stuff. I need to have great care in that stuff. Because it's so easy for me. And what happens then is, by the way, I, I get deeper in the, in the mess. And I struggle with it, and I have trouble with it, and I, I'm not accepting what God was giving, and God would have taken care of me if I had, and I'm now in str- struggling and in deep trouble with it, right? Look at First Timothy chapter 6, next chapter. Verse 5 through 10. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from, from such withdraw thyself... What does he mean there when he says, supposing that gain is godliness? Yeah. I have enough money means I'm right with God. That's not true. Right? Money is not an indicator of spirituality at all. There are wicked people in this world that have plenty of money. That have more money than they know what to do. <clears throat> Gain is not godliness. The money and God, in that sense, do not go together. Now, don't get me wrong. God can bless you. God can take care of you. But when it comes to making money and you assuming that money makes you right with God, you're barking up the wrong tree. You know, <clears throat> God blesses us, but He doesn't always bless us with money. God can bless you in poverty. If he puts you in poverty for a while. And God can bless you in wealth. But money and wealth and a lot of money and being wealthy are not synonymous with being godly. Okay, in fact, we're going to see they're very often an obstacle to us being godly. Um, <clears throat> but godliness with contentment is great gain. Now what does that mean? Godliness with contentment. What does it mean to be contented? 
Yeah, you're happy with what you have. Now, how do godliness and contentment go together? Does God always call it right in your life? Does he? Paul said this, uh, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I have learned both how to be abased and how to abound. I have learned to be content. Now, how did Paul learn to be abased and how did he learn to be abound? Sometimes he had money. He could rent his own house in Rome. He was in prison, but he had his own house. That's kind of nice, isn't it? And other times he had no money. And um, he had to take whatever was thrown at him. How, how was he instructed? That's what the word is. He was instructed to be abased and to abound. How, 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 do, how was he instructed? By the circumstances of life. The circumstances of my life tell me sometimes you're going to, it's going to go well for you financially, Dave, and sometimes it's not going to go well. God actually teaches. But Paul said, I have learned... To be content. I have learned to be content in whatsoever state I am. You and I need to learn that lesson. We live in a culture and an economy that is built on covetousness that is never enough. I want more and more and more and more and more. And you know what? You don't need more. God's given you enough. God's given you what you can. He give you more if he wants to? Sure he can. But look what he says about that. Uh, <clears throat> For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. So the day you and I wake up in glory, we're not going to be looking for our wallets. Because none of it's going with us. Um, <clears throat> all that I've done in this life that's going on to glory is not going to be in a bank, is not going to be tied up in assets, All that I've done in this life that's going with me into glory is going to be spiritual. And if I spend my life uh, on the temporal, on loving mammon in that sense, you know what? I'm going to be sad when I I get to glory. Uh, And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. And by the way, that narrows it down a whole lot, doesn't it? Having food and raiment... Let us therewith be content, having the basics of life. Now, let me say this to you. There's nobody in this room that hasn't got only the basics of life. We've all got much more than that, don't we? We've all got far more than that. Now, uh, just a picture for you of our culture. It's not so long ago when if you had two sets of clothing, one for Sundays and one for the rest of the week, you were doing pretty well. And you know what? You and I have far more than that, don't we? We have plenty of clothing. <clears throat> and when it comes to food, our problem is not getting enough food to eat. Our problem is stopping ourselves from eating all we have. Right? We have plenty. Uh, having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. you think we'd be contented, wouldn't you? But you know that uh, they tell us that we are the least contented generation ever. That the more we have, the more we want. Right? <clears throat> But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Uh, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, what Paul is saying to you there is, you know, 
If you will be rich, if you set your goal on being rich, if you set your focus and your heart on having money, uh, you fall into all kinds of trouble. And you do. (laughs) Biblically, that's not a worthy goal for you to have. Biblically, money is not a uh, a sufficient goal for you to have. And the Bible says that the love of money, not money, but the love of money is the root of all evil. How many people have done daft things, silly things, dangerous things, criminal things, because of the love of money? You know, it drives so many things. That kind of corruption drives so many things. And God says, listen, be careful. There's a danger there. There's a danger for you and I there. There's a danger in our culture as far as those things are concerned. Because our culture is all fired up with having more and getting more and getting ahead and realizing more and wanting more. And it's very easy for you to get in your heart. I need to have more. You know what? The things that really matter can't be bought with money. And God's in charge of the money. So that the reality is that in your life, money's not the main issue. Money's not the most important thing. Your attitude and my attitude to money needs to be uh, one where we're not letting it dominate our lives. And there's two ways it dominates your life. One, the love of money dominates your life. And the other area it can can dominate your life is uh, if you let it get get on top of you in debt and you let it get on top of you in, uh, in the way you live your life, then it begins to dominate your life. And and here's what God says to you. God says, you're better than that. You're more valuable than that. I don't want you spending your time and your life involved in that. That's, that's That's not enough for you to do with your life. Now, you know, we all look at money and we think, you know what? Money has great power, and it does. But it's not a sufficient goal for you to go after. You'd be better off living on a little with the blessing of God in your life, stretching it, than having a lot and not enjoying what you have of God. I need to keep that in mind. You're not supposed to go after it. Can and does God bless his children? Sometimes mightily, financially. But from my reading of the Bible, whenever God blesses somebody financially, uh, you wouldn't notice because they don't notice because it's not the issue for them. God's the issue. But when you go after money, you can do yourself great damage with it. So God says he doesn't want money to be a big issue in our lives. He doesn't want money to uh, take hold of us and to get a hold of us. Um, he, he, wants us he, he wants money to be a small part of our lives. Now, <clears throat> what time is it there? Quarter day. We're going to close it. We're gonna, <clears throat> we'll come back to this, I think, on Sunday and look at, look at some more of this on Sunday. Right? Uh, <clears throat> but when it comes to the money in your life, God wants you not to be worrying, striving, stressing, and fussing about it. Now, how are you going to do that? <clears throat> look at your sheet there. We'll, look at, we'll just look at the principles. Um, <clears throat> God doesn't want you in bondage to money. He doesn't want you worrying about money. The principles at the bottom of the page there. Right? <clears throat> As a steward of God's money, you're expected to manage it well. What does that mean? Joseph was a steward. He was Potiphar's steward. Potiphar gave everything he had into Joseph's hand, and he said, Joseph, take care of it. And so Joseph took care of Potiphar's money, 
but he managed it very well and took care of it very well. It wasn't his. It wasn't attached to it. It wasn't important to him. It was just important to him that he good, did a good job taking care of. You know that God's given you money that he wants you to be a steward of, that he wants you to look after, that he wants you to manage for him. It's not yours. Don't get attached to it. It's his, and he wants you to manage it. He wants you to look after it. I, <clears throat> uh, planning is an essential element of success. We've been talking about Nehemiah uh, on a Sunday night. But you know, Nehemiah's plan to rebuild the wall was essential to him actually getting it done. It was essential to getting those people motivated and doing it. When it comes to your money, planning is an essential part. Planning, you, you planning out how, where it's going to go. Because listen, it will all go. Have you noticed that? It goes wherever it wants unless you tell it where to go. Just the way money is. You know, you never, I mean, have you ever looked at your bank account and found more money than you thought was there? <laughs> that's not the norm. Now listen, it might have happened, but that's not the normal thing. The normal thing when you go to your bank account is that there's less money than you expected to be there because it just goes. Unless you put manners on it and tell it where to go, it will just go wherever it wants. And usually not in the most profitable ways. So it behooves us then as stewards of God's finances to actually take our money and uh, <clears throat> to tell it where to go in the form of having a budget. So we decide on paper how we're going to spend our money before we ever spend it. It's important that you do it. Now listen, some people do it very elaborately on paper. Some people have computer programs. Some people do it in their heads. But you've got to have a plan. You've got to have a plan for how you're going to spend your money. Because if you don't plan to spend your money, you're going to find, you know what? It just goes anywhere and it goes wherever it wants. And <clears throat> here's the problem. The problem is that sometimes when we get, <clears throat> when, when our, our finances go awry, we get afraid of it and we stop planning. And we just kind of let go of the reins. And then disaster. The last principle there is spending more than you earn produces debt and bondage. Spending more than you earn always produces debt and bondage. So, but we need to be careful with our money and see what we're going to do with it and tell it where it's going to go uh, and, and have it serve us and serve the Lord rather than have, have us just serving it because it's very easy uh, for your money to come to the place where you're serving it. You're, 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 you're trying to keep, uh, keep an eye on it, and you're trying to uh, control it, but it's out of control. Uh, and you need to have a plan. <clears throat> so all of us need to have a plan. How are we going to actually handle our money? And you, know, you might say, well, well, I don't have a lot. right? But we say you even have <clears throat> the basic job seekers allowance coming in. What's that, 215? Or, is that what it is, 215, the job seekers allowance? Pardon? 193. It used to be two, over two, wasn't it? Okay, all right. So 193, but that's 200 a week. Right? That is uh, 10,400 a year, give or take. Do you know how much that is uh, in 10 years? That's 104,000, isn't it? Am I right there? That's 104,000 that you're going to spend in 10 years just on welfare. That's serious money. I gave you 100000 and, and told you to spend that carefully, you'd say, well, I'm going to be very careful about that. If you're working a job, you've got more than that coming in. You know, and, you know, it's, it's, it's not uncommon for us to spend a couple of million in a lifetime. 
You think, no. Yeah, you think it through. You add up all the figures of the money that you've earned since you started working uh, until the day you close your eyes. And you know what? Now, listen, if I gave you a couple of million, you'd say, well, I, I, I need to get some advice on this. I need to plan how I'm going to do this. This, this is important money. I need, I need to uh, work out how I'm going to spend this. That's because it's in a lump sum. But you know what? If it's in a lifetime, we're very likely to miss it and just let it go float through our fingers and not pay sufficient heed to it. And remember this. You're a steward. All that you have is God's. You're a steward of his money, and you need to order it well for him. Because he reasonably one day is going to ask you. It's one of the areas he's going to ask you. Were you a faithful servant in the area of money? Well, well, I did what you told me to do in other areas. No, no, were you a faithful servant in the area of money? That doesn't mean that God's going to skin flinch and God's not going to leave you enough. You can be sure that God's going to take care of you, but he wants you to look at your money, and he wants you to treat it like it's his and to work it out. And that's always going to be the best for you. Any questions or comments? I'm going to go to our prayer time now, and then we will go to our budget meeting. Father in heaven, would you bless us tonight, Lord? Lord, we do thank you that your word gives us plenty of truth uh, to help us in this area of money. And Lord, would you help each one here, Lord? Lord, I know that some have very little money, and some probably have almost no money under their control right now. But Lord, whatever we do have under our control is yours. Would you help us, Lord, to be good stewards and to learn? Lord, uh, even the children, Lord, would you help them to learn to handle their money wisely? And Lord, that they might be uh, able, Lord, to live for you and to use their money and use their finances uh, for your honor and for your glory and that you might be blessed and that they might be blessed too in Jesus' precious name. Amen.